Ah, yes. Okay. Disclaimer. This podcast... Dude, it's been so long since we've recorded. I don't even know what our disclaimer is anymore. Are you stupid? This podcast, um, we talk about... Um, do you have a me- do you have it typically memorized? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do we oh, even talk so about? You, you improvise the whole time. What do we even yeah. talk about? Um, this I've podcast, spent so much time on this podcast. We talk about politically charged issues and um, and, uh, but and we we don't want to make the mistake of speaking for groups that we don't belong to or even groups that we do belong to. So take everything we say with a grain of salt. We're just we're just two guys. In our closets, recording. Did I? Did I get wow. it? Wow, you can hardly speak for yourself, dude. Yeah. Also, disclaimer: I'm very sick right now, so. Yeah. Um. Yes. So, Steve, Stephen here. Stephen here is making a sacrifice for the podcast. Yes, we're recording on not our usual recording day. Um. But the good news, though, is that uh, the the listener. By the time you hear this, you'll have already heard episodes one and two. Hopefully. Thus, Unless they're this just is jumping episode in three. Now. <laughs> if you're what? jumping in now, that's honestly fine. First two episodes weren't that good. Yeah, I mean, welcome, no promises about this one, but... Welcome to No Coast Oriental. First two episodes aren't <laughs> that great, but everything Shit. else is okay. Wait. Sorry, I tried to mute my mic there, but for some reason it didn't mute, so you heard me cough. Do you want to restart so that you can no. re-record that intro? This is a good cold open. This is this, what we call authentic in the business. This cold open sucks, dude. <laughs> this is not authenticity. This is like this is like this is like if Papa John's. Listen, James. In this era, people value not polish but texture. They want to hear us. Yeah, they want um, the texture. Struggle of- to come up with. Literally the first thing we say in our podcast. Are you more than just sick? Are you dying? Uh, not anymore. Like, are no. you are you losing brain cells? Uh, I felt like it was for like a day, but I'm good now. Oh my god! Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to No Coast Oriental. Today we're talking about Asians in media, the representation of Asians in media. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um. We'll be going over a slew of things today. Diversity in media, specifically related to Asian Americans, uh, and representation in EDM, music culture, you know, EDM, hip-hop, uh, pop music, etc. And, uh, you know, other topics, too. Are yeah. you Are you suffering? I... Okay, so we record in our closets. I've already talked about this, I think, but we record in our closets and we can see each other's faces through like a Discord. And Stevie is actually just mindless. I don't know what you're talking about. You you're just staring. <laughs> so uh, where are the Asian Americans in media? Ah, uh, yes. What a good question, Steven. <laughs> oh, also, we recorded this episode once already. Oh yeah, um, this but is I a re-recording. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone lost the audio. I'm not gonna I say who it was, but it wasn't me. Yeah, so. I'm taking I'm taking ownership on that. I lost my audio probably because I don't know how to use a computer. On a separate note, I think the mute button on my mic is like somewhat broken. It doesn't work. 
It works like one out of three times right now. Uh, <laughs> That's not good. This this is a really terrible start. Okay. Bro. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, I'll okay. I I can start by talking about um when I was in college, I was part of this uh student org where we could put on like we had weekly meetings and at the end of our weekly meetings, if we wanted to, we could like submit a research topic to present on. And one of my friends submitted, um, they did a presentation on like Orientalism and Asian representation in media. And so like, this is part of why, like we went with the title, no coast Oriental. Um, like I use the term Oriental here to be like, you know, satirical. Um, cause it's like, yeah. no one like seriously uses that anymore unless they're ignorant. Um, but historically the Orient's been defined through its difference from the West. So that could be moral difference, intellectual difference, cultural difference. Um, and I think Orientalism is this idea that a lot of things we see in society about how, uh, like Oriental people are treated stems from this difference either like a fear of that difference or you know what have you um so in american discourse this is presented its way in or manifested in multiple ways so there's like the yellow peril which was a fear of asian superiority over america both economically and social socially uh but then on the flip side you have tropes like the model minority which is using asians as an example of how to quote-unquote properly assimilate um and to be an example for other minorities. Uh, but then you also have the invisible Asian trope where Asians fade into the background because quote-unquote Asianness is a construct of the dominant white culture. Um, and I think in media especially, one trope you see is that there's this idea that the future is Asian, right? So you see it from movies, um, in movies from Blade Runner to Big Hero 6 across many different types of tones and uh, media where their futuristic settings are often presented as either Asian or amalgamations of Asian and Western culture. Uh, so examples, you know, would be Blade Runner, Big Hero 6. So, you know, Blade Runner is a little grittier of a movie. Big Hero 6 is pretty lighthearted, um, but both kind of feature this Asian is the future aesthetic, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is that, like, Asians often get typecasted, especially in Hollywood. So, like, there's this meme where it's, like, what your Hollywood role is for an Asian male, depending on your age. And it's, like, you know, simplified. It's, like, below 60, 60 years of age, you're, like, the office worker or the nerdy guy or the weird guy. And then above 60 years of age, you're the hidden kung fu master, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, this, so this presentation really kind of just, uh, it goes over like the definitions, um, of like a couple terms, the ones that you mentioned, but I was curious what your thoughts are in general in relation to the relationship that, um, I guess orient orientalism. I've never used that word before, but orientalism and media, like what that relationship is and like what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, for one thing, I think the way Asians are depicted in Hollywood 
is very gendered. So uh, Asian men are typically portrayed, and I, I'm only streaking, I'm only um, talking about like how they're portrayed in heterosexual relationships mostly. Um, so Asian men are mostly portrayed as like pretty effeminate or they're emasculated in whatever ways. Um, it's very rare to see like a like masculine paragon of an Asian man outside of like being a kung fu master or a ninja or something like that. Um, whereas Asian women are paradoxically treated simultaneously as both uh, sexually submissive but also sexually exotic. Um, and so there's this like fetishization of Asian women and like, you know, living in California, uh, I, I hear some, some, you know, people use the term yellow fever, right? To describe like a sort of fetishization of like Asians. Do people really use this term? Um, I've never, I, I don't, I, I don't knew a think guy I who hear dated it outside of like an friends. ironic. <laughs> I, I knew a guy who dated two of my friends who self-proclaimed to have yellow fever oh my yeah i i've never heard it used outside of an ironic context yeah that's that's fun i mean i i've seen it used to like i've seen it used in a non-ironic sense to to like describe like a phenomenon but i've never outside of like that one guy i've never met someone who like self-proclaimed themselves as having asian fever or yellow fever or whatever (laughs) Uh, yeah, okay. And then there's also this last quote on this um Wait, presentation. Before, before we move from... on, I just want to clarify that that is a problem. That's problematic. Yeah, no, that's definitely a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> fetishizing a race is problematic. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um, There's also this quote at the end of this presentation talking about how um, Asians are not cast very frequently for films, um, saying from a casting director uh, quoted in a book by Nancy Yang called Real Inequality, Hollywood Actors and Racism. This quote is, I work with a lot of different people and Asians are a challenge to cast because most casting directors feel as though they're not very expressive. They're very shut down in their emotions. If it's something where they really have to act out and get some kind of performance out of it, it's a challenge. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I I think I notice this sometimes. Um, that my Asian friends are a little less expressive, but that's also still a generalization because I'm a very I, I would consider myself a very expressive person. Right. And, and I think um. Maybe it's cultural, but uh, I also think that like the Asian American, like Asian Americans, vary in in tone and like how expressive they are, much like how anybody else would. So, I mean, when I go back to China, like my family are like, and like the Chinese people I meet are like the most expressive people I've ever met. Like, yeah, hyperbolically so, you know. Yeah, uh, I think that's. I think that's. I mean, I relate to that going back home, going back to China sometimes, but I think I th- we talked about this the first time that we recorded, and it was kind of like two aspects that we kind of noted, which was like, I guess the more like conservative upbringing that a lot of um, Asian Americans get, maybe it is more just flat as far as just the way that they speak, 
I don't know. And then the second one we were talking about the just like facial structure and how Asian Americans are. Yeah. Or at least East Asians are less expressive because of single eyelids versus double eyelids. Right. Which so, is, I think, something you brought up. Yeah. So um, a lot of East Asians especially have what's called a single eyelid. So um, you'll notice often, um, I'll just say like the majority of people in the United States probably have a, what's called a double eyelid. So that's when there's a noticeable crease when your eyes are open. And the effect is that make, it makes your eyes look bigger. Um and most East Asians have uh, a single-lidded eyelid, so there's no crease. So that the eyelid does not fold in on itself, and as such, the eye looks smaller when uh, your eyes are open. And I actually, um, I think I inadvertently found out through my optometrist that, um, or ophthalmologist that uh, I may have had a procedure called blepharoplasty done on me when I was like uh, very young, right? Which is to like quote unquote fix that, so to turn a single lid into a double lid. Um, I don't recall that, and my parents have never mentioned it, so I don't know. But I actually have one double lidded eye and one single lidded never... eye. So when my eyes are open, one of my eyes is like noticeably smaller than the other eye. Maybe not like what immediately I... noticeably, but like. If you're staring at me like close up, like you could tell. Um, so, so you've never asked your parents about whether or not you've gotten double eyelid surgery. I mean, I don't really care. Well, I, f- I would be curious. Maybe I'll ask them about it. I just like I don't know. I- I'll yeah. have to remember to ask them. Maybe if they listen to this podcast, they'll text you and be like, <laughs> "Stevie, why are you? Why did you say that? You never got that." <laughs> I mean, it, apparently it's on my medical history, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's on your medical history, that it seems pretty evident that that might have happened. Yeah. Eh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, you so know, all um, those doctors—they're just the, lying. This this procedure, blepharoplasty, actually has a pretty troubling history as well as do yeah. a lot of medical things when it comes to marginalized people. Um, so it was invented by um this guy who was—I forgot his name—but he was sort of like thought of as one of the founders of plastic surgery um so he was on deployment in um or maybe not on deployment but he was in korea during the korean war um and so he was you know doing a lot of what we today might call good work so you know he was fixing he developed a procedure to fix cleft lip in children um and he also developed this procedure blepharoplasty because he thought it would uh you know help <clears throat> like the Koreans communicate better with uh, the American soldiers that were deployed there. Um, but he also did stuff like when he was trying to develop his procedure to fix cleft lips, he would just like take children off the streets and like perform surgery on them with no like anesthetic or anything. So. Wow. Yeah. Listening to that and also looking at the blepharoplasty Wikipedia page. They show, like, images of a blepharoplasty, and hearing what you just said, I kind of want to, like, throw up. <laughs> I didn't expect to be looking at photos of surgery. Yeah. Um, but, dang, that's not fun. But, yeah, so, the, the, you know, there was uh, a prominent, um, I think she was Korean-American news anchor who got blepharoplasty because she felt pressured to. Um, and to her credit, she's, she's pretty proud of it and she owns it, but she was talking about how, you know, 
the reason this procedure was invented was because because East Asians have this, you know, this smaller eye structure due to their eyelids, they're seen as, you know, we're not physically able to emote as much or in the same manner that like our Western counterparts can, right? And because of that, it's harder for people to, or it's harder for people in the West to read our facial expressions or what we're thinking. Um, and that's where this stereotype of like the shifty Asian that emerged um, kind of in the World War II era came from, um, you know, the, like the, yeah. with the, you know, the cartoon depiction is like with the line eyes, like the slit eyes. Yeah, the slanted eyes. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where that stereotypical image came from. Hmm. So, so yeah, I think as far as that goes, like, I feel like if you don't see Asian people frequently enough, maybe seeing East Asian people who um, have single eyelids might seem like they're less expressive, though it's still not, like, excusable, really, that, like, you know, a whole race isn't getting... Well, I mean, I feel like there isn't a lot of diversity in media to begin with, but that, like, a good... Like, Asian Americans account for a very small amount of the media industry to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty... I mean, it's clearly unfair, but I do think that it's, like, not excusable in that sense because there are lots of stories that are told. And I guess we'll go into the whole whitewashing thing where they're originally a story about an Asian or an Asian-American person and white people are cast um, in place of these folks. Um, like Ghost in the Shell? Ghost in the Shell. That's a big one. Um, I know Doctor Strange uh originally oh yeah the the ancient one i think yeah was supposed to be uh like tibetan yeah they all are um and that's that's a and they casted a um a white person instead uh and then also the movie 21 about bringing down the house the book bringing down the house um the entire movie was basically like the bulk of the students were supposed to be asian americans but in the end um, they were cast as white folks, which is fine. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> that's a thing. Um, it just happens, I guess. Yeah. All these movies. Um, yeah, it just, it just happens. Lots of that... times. Go ahead. Oh, um, there's also an issue in theater. Um, lots of high schools will put on productions of Miss Saigon, which is a, a a play, a musical that features mostly, you know, it's called Miss Saigon. It features mostly Vietnamese people because it takes place during the Vietnam Vietnam War. But it's also a problematic play. But lots of lots of high schools or colleges will put on productions of this and cast all white people um, in place of the Asian folks, mostly because they don't have like a lot of Asian students. But also, you know, it's still kind of an issue, especially since Miss Saigon isn't really the best example of like a production your high school could put on. <laughs> um, so whitewashing has been a pretty large issue. I think, um, I think Asian Americans feel like they aren't, they're not, not that they're not represent, not just that they're not represented in media, but also that they're kind of the butt of the joke pretty frequently. Um, even after the, like, stereotype, like, of a Fu Manchu kind of disappeared, um, I think Asians are usually cast as more of a comedic role 
or Asians are represented in a way that are more comedic. I know like two or three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, at the Oscars, there was that one skit with the three Asian kids, and they were like portrayed as, they were like in suits, and I think the comedian was like Chris Rock, and (laughs) he essentially is just referring to the kids as like the Academy's accountants and lawyers or doctors or whatever. I don't know. I think I think uh, even though the future seems Asian, that we still have a long way to go. Um, <clears throat> but as far as that goes, like, you know, are, do you think we're making progress on increasing representation in the Asian American vein of media? I I definitely think so. And one of my favorite examples from recent years was um, the movie Edge of Seventeen, starring Haley Steinfeld. Uh, it's a great coming of age story. I have a soft spot in my heart. It. It's it's really good. You should watch it. But uh, I have a soft okay. spot in my heart uh, for like high school coming of age uh, movies. Uh, but you know, <laughs> Haley Steinfeld, who is like a very attractive, uh, like you know, she's white. Um, the love interest in this movie is a Korean guy, and Ooh. there's they, there's even like a pool scene where they like give him the screen time to like I guess show off his physique is the best way I can put it. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, that, that made me really happy. I'm like, damn, like, uh, that's awesome. And uh, I was actually, so, you know, the month of May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I was conducting a lot of interviews at my company to do a write-up for our, um, uh, it's called Asian Leadership Network. So one of the people I interviewed, he was talking about how, um, like, he and his sister went to a BTS concert and his sister was like, Oh, you want to go to this? And he's like, yeah. Cause one of the reasons was like for him, it was very exciting that like there were a bunch of like non-Asian women who were like, you know, getting, um, who were, like, into, into BTS. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> But I do want to clarify, like, the point I made earlier when I said the future is Asian is not saying that, like, it's it's Asian, the fact that, like, Asians are integrated. The What I mean when I say the future is Asian is this fear that, like, superpowers like China are going to outpace, you know, the United States, for example, and become the key player in geopolitics, economics, society. Yeah. Did you... um? This is kind of related to that. Did you hear that Netflix acquired that one movie, The Wandering Earth? No. What's that Do you about? not know this movie? It's the highest grossing movie that's ever released in China. So it's the highest grossing like Chinese film. Mm-hmm. And um, it we I actually saw it in an AMC in America. Uh, so I saw this like it came out maybe three or four months ago, two or three months ago. And essentially this movie is like, a pretty standard like Chinese action movie, sci-fi movie, where like, yeah, I guess it's kind of cheesy, but like essentially two or three days after I saw it, which was like, you know, in the first week or two of release, there was news that Netflix acquired this movie and was going to put it on their platform. Um, And it just came out like last week, but they didn't really announce it or anything like that. And um, I think because of how... um exaggerated and cheesy like the like generally like an asian movie or action movie can get 
can get to because I mean the content there usually is pretty um, over the top. I think a lot of American critics and reviewers didn't really like the movie, but it is still a big move for Netflix to acquire such a large movie, and I think they acquired it for quite the sum to like basically put it on their platform. Um, but you should, yeah, uh, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was just good fun, but um, I thought that was really interesting that that happened. Um, that was just like last week. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Um, one thing we didn't talk about last time was the white savior trope. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah, so, um, like, I'll admit, I have only really... I, I most commonly see this used in relation to, like, uh, Asians, but it's, you know, it's more broadly applicable, and in that sense, in American media, it's probably more applicable to, like, um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's more applicable to like the repression of like Black Americans, probably because that's just like more commonly depicted, I guess. Um, yeah. But like, okay, so the so the white savior trope is this idea, that, or is this trope in media that um, there are movies that kind of to to varying degrees try to address a repressed minority. But they only do so by having their protagonist be a white man who kind of, you know, Comes is able to un- uplift this group, right? And therefore, they're like the white savior. So it's not really doing that group any justice because at the end of the day, it's just a, a white, usually a white man. It's a white man doing, you know, all the work, right? Um, so, you know, you could see this with, um, like, I got, I got the, the Wikipedia list pulled up here. <clears throat> Um, so for example, uh, actually a Chinese film, The Great Wall, featured a great Chinese cast, but the lead actor was Matt Damon. Um, oh yeah, I remember, I remember this movie. Yeah. Um, another one's like, a recently Green Book. So there, you know, Mahershala Ali plays the African-American driver and then Viggo Mortensen plays like the, um, or sorry, sorry, um. Viggo Morrison plays the driver and Mahershala Ali plays the, uh, like the, the musician, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, that, that movie really does center a lot around Viggo Mortensen's character. Um, and then, you know, the, I mean, not, not to say like, like, okay, I haven't seen Green Book, but from what I've read, like, it's not entirely a bad movie as far as like race relation goes, race relations go. Um, yeah. I mean, it is very problematic, but it's not, like, entirely a bad movie. Um, something I am familiar with is Marvel or Marvel and Netflix's Iron Fist. Um, so, have you seen that or are you familiar with that? No, what is that? So, the Iron Fi- the Immortal Iron Fist is one of the four Defenders, which is kind of like New York's rugged version of the Avengers. So, that's Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and the Iron Fist, otherwise okay. known as Danny Rand. Um so he basically got stranded uh, from a plane crash and ended up in this uh, mystical place that only appears every so often. Uh, it's very like Tibetan influence called Kunlun, right? Okay. And there he learns like to become a martial arts master. Uh, but he's like this like white guy, right? So yeah, th- that's an example of 
like they like it's very obvious that that could have been an opportunity to have like a prominent asian character as a role um but probably due to when that was like uh you know when the character was created it ended up being a white guy um yeah um i have a couple more examples that i'm pulling from a new york times article i pulled up for this um for this episode uh dude whitewashing is a big thing there's a lot of movies i didn't i hardly knew half of these movies um you know the intended the intended race was not what it was it's it's weird but asian americans are fighting for visibility they will not be ignored is the title of this article um from the new york times and um this was released like two or three years this this article was published like um 2016 so two years three years back um and it says, uh, this past year has proved to be a particularly fraught period for Asian American representation in movies. Last May, Sony released Aloha, a film set in Hawaii that was packed with white color- white actors, including the green-eyed, blonde-haired Emma Stone as a quarter Chinese, quarter Native oh American Oh my god, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> god. <laughs> like, of all uh, people, Emma Stone, she's so white, like... yeah. She's blonde and green-eyed, uh, half uh, half Chinese, quarter Chinese and quarter Native American fighter pilot. Fighter pilot. I see. Yeah. Uh, in September, it was revealed that the planned adaptation of the Japanese manga series Death Note, the hero, a boy with dark powers named Light Yagami, would be renamed simply Light and played by the white actor Nat Wolf. Mm-hmm. In The Martian, released in October, the white actress Mackenzie Davis stepped into the role of the NASA employee Mindy Park, who was conceived in the novel as Korean-American. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, that. Uh, <laughs> the list goes on. In December, set photographs from the coming Absolutely Fabulous film showed the Scottish, actri- Scottish actress Jeanette Tuff dressed as an over-the-top Asian character. Last month, Marvel Studios released a trailer for Doctor Strange, where a character had originally been in comic books as a Tibetan monk, and was reimagined as a Celtic mystic played by Tilda Swinton. Ghost in the Shell is mentioned. Uh, <laughs> just, this, this was not a great time. Like, this was yeah. one year. Yeah. I mean, uh, like... It was, um, it was a weird year. Yeah, I remember another, like, comic booky movie. It was, like, Green Hornet, right? Um, Green Hornet? I didn't... What's up with Green Hornet? I actually um, haven't seen it. It's like, um, <laughs> they have, like, a James Bond-style car... And like okay. the Asian guy's the sidekick, similar to like the Lone Ranger, how Tan- Tantu, I think that's his name, the Native American, is the white guy's sidekick. It's like very, very similar. Oh boy. Um. um <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I feel like uh, Asian characters aren't just like underrepresented, but when they are, they're supporting actors. Yeah, I mean. I like I can't really think of like an Asian character playing a leading role. I can't come up with an example. Bro, fresh off the boat, dude. Oh, I guess yeah. I All mean, like, of fresh off the boat. I guess I was thinking of like in in movies because I think TV oh. is a little different. Um, are there any? <laughs> Not in any <laughs> like, I guess like like what you would call triple A movies or yeah yeah. Um, um huh. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I, like, um, so yeah, the, the reason this is, okay, yeah, how, how about this, like, why do you think this is problematic? 
whitewashing so, or white savior. Oh, you did this last time. You asked this exact question. Did I? I don't remember. Uh, I wonder. I wonder why you asked. Uh, I I think this is a problem because, and this this goes for any minority, I suppose. But when your race is un when your race is underrepresented or your type of people are underrepresented, that means when you turn on the TV every day, which is something a good amount of people do, you're not going to see people that look like you or act like you or do the things that you do. And that means your perspective of the world is skewed, just like how, like, like anybody else's perspective would also be skewed. So in the end, you're everybody's worldview collectively, because media is so important to culture as a whole. You're just not going to see that kind of stuff. And effectively, it marginalizes any affected groups, right? So I think that's the problem. Like, growing up, if if I didn't have, like, Ni Hao Kai Lan <laughs> would have been no no Asian representation for me. I don't uh, think I would, I don't think I knew any other uh, any other um, TV shows that had that until I was older. It was Sagua for me. Oh, I actually I just introduced my girlfriend to Sagua. Dude, that show slaps. They have a ton of clips on you, a ton of full episodes on YouTube, and it's amazing. That show does <laughs> slap. It's still good. <laughs> It's still good. There's Sagwa, Shigwa, uh, the other one. Less important. <laughs> Out of the three cats, dude, you know what I'm talking but, about? Uh, but actually, why would you name one Sagwa? Like, or I guess for a cat name is fine. Like Sagwa effect. Sagwa in English basically translates to dumbass. I mean, yeah, the literal translation is silly melonhead, but. Yeah, yeah, silly melon head, but contextually, it's more or I. It's more like childish than dumbass. I would say. You're right. It is something I would. I would not call a child a dumbass. It's maybe it's more analogous to like butthead or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, but like not quite as Siamese insulting. Cat. I don't know. <laughs> what is this? Uh, what's what's okay. butthead in Chinese? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what uh what are we doing uh, <laughs> uh wait, um, um oh, one thing i was gonna say was um i'm actually curious to see what it's like in like outside of the u.s um because i i don't have much exposure to film outside of the u.s uh other than like, um, stuff that makes it to the oscars basically what do you mean a uh, film like like you mean in europe is there representation like what we would call a foreign film Oh, so like, uh, for example, like I, I have a friend who is an actor. Um, his name is Edwin Coe. You should go check him out. Uh, so his most recent movie that Shout he's out in, Edwin Coe. yeah, his most recent movie that he's been in is a, um, it's a Spanish language movie called A Matado a Mi Marido, which I believe translates to, um, something about my husband was killed or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, but he, he plays the character of how in that. So who the character's name is how, Oh, <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you were saying that this was like, I thought you were trying to indicate that how was some sort of notable, like historical figure. No, no. His name is how that's a yeah, character's I name. Was, <laughs> I was like, well, who is that? <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I, I guess to me, like... That's great. 
Great like, for them. Yeah, I wonder what diversity is like in like what we would call foreign films because it seems like the United States would be like, you know, the most capable of being the most diverse. But like, it's very surprising that my friend got who's uh, my friend who's Asian American got a role in a Spanish speaking movie. I don't know. I think um, I think when it comes to casting and all that too, there is like a system in in American. In, like, Hollywood and stuff like that where it might be more difficult because you have to, like, work up a certain ladder, I guess. Because yeah. I know that they – I know, like, an A-list celebrity. There's, like, an actual list. And, and like, as a casting director, like, it's it's 100% known that, like, unconscious or even conscious bias plays a huge role in it, right? Like, yeah, as a casting like director, you're... you're much more likely to choose people who you can better relate with. And, like, those people are usually people who look more like you. Yeah. And then, like, I think a lot of times if you're trying to cast for, like, a, a national or an international audience, you want to consider the, the fact that, like, if you're trying to make money, yeah, you're you're probably going to try and cast people for the part. And, like, you might have a difficult time with that when you're considering a minority group where lots of people might not be actors, right? So... But that that's Dude, what's so hard stupid. for me to grasp yeah. is like movie studios literally consider China as like one of the top market priorities when they're like deciding about how yeah. to shoot a film. And if that's the case, why don't they include more Chinese actors? Like it, it seems obvious to me. China is like the single biggest market outside the US, maybe bigger than the US, depending on the movie, <clears throat> you know. Um you know, like in Avengers, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, I forgot what Doctor Strange's Asian uh, colleague is name, called. Isn't his name Wong? And then his actual name is Benedict Wong. I know his first name is Benedict, the actor, yeah. And, yeah, and his character's name is Wong, but his okay. last name is Wong as well. Okay, yeah. To be fair, I really like him. He's funny. He is but... funny. I like him too. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a cool guy. Yeah, but like, are there endgame spoilers in this podcast? No, no endgame spoilers. Okay, bet. Game of Thrones. No. Are there Asian people in Game of Thrones? <clears throat> um. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, actually, I don't um, watch the show. I would. I asked that on. question. I need, kind I need of to look up joke. her name. Um. <laughs> so there's actually. Hold on. Hold on. Or okay, they're not portrayed name- as like Asian. Um, You're gonna name one Asian actor, okay. and they're gonna so, be on screen so for less than a Jessica minute. Jessica Henwick, who also plays Colleen Wing in oh. Iron Fist. Oh, also okay. um, in Iron Fist, uh, Danny Rand's love interest is Colleen Wing, who's also a badass who wields a katana. Um, but anyways, um, she plays the character of Nymeria Sand in Game of Thrones. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't. That's why oh, I asked okay. the question. So, um, uh, fuck, I, I forgot that kingdom's name, but that kingdom is very like, um, Middle Eastern inspired, Okay, which is, it's like desert setting, um, which is interesting to me that she was cast, but I didn't really, it didn't really stick out to me when I watched it. Yeah, maybe it's like Eastern China. Yeah, it could be like, no, Xinjiang. Shit. Yeah, but then like. Is the Chinese government going to block me for saying that? I right, mean, then you on. wouldn't want... I don't know. I... <laughs> what is... <laughs> um, 
Actually, what oh, I think God. the best example, uh, my favorite example of an Asian American uh, actor in the Marvel universe is, um, you know, uh, I think her name is. Oh, I need to look these up. Ming Na Wen. Oh, okay. Yo, who now? Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen. Okay. Yeah. She plays age. She plays Agent Melinda May in Agents of Shield, who is like literally the bat most badass character in that show. Like they they call her the Cavalry because like when you call in the Cavalry, you call in her, right? And did you know she was also in Mulan? And, and yeah, I was gonna say she's the voice of Mulan. Yeah. So she's a fucking badass. <laughs> she's yeah. She's she's been around the block. She also played Chun Li in the 1994 Street Fighter movie. Apparently, there was a Street Fighter's a movie. Thought it was just the game. We don't talk about it, dude. Two stars out of five. <laughs> IMDb, what's up? Oh my god, this movie's bad. Yeah. Whew, okay. Yeah. But okay. Um, wait, so, wait. Ming Na Wen. Did we did we talk about American Dragon Jake Long last time? Yeah, we did, dude. Oh. And you, you, oh, oh, you died. Oh, you, you died, dude. Actually, you Disney love that is show. doing it right. Okay, so American Dragon <laughs> Jake Long, the protagonist is an Asian guy. So I think I think that was like, um, an Asian guy voiced by Dante Bosco, who also voices Prince Zuko in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, and his so Jake's love interest in this movie is like a badass or in this tv show is a badass white girl right so i think very progressive for its time it, this show came out in 2000 it ran from 2005 to 2007 so definitely ahead of its time um and you know it's a coming of age story so it's typical you know animated disney bullshit you know but um i feel like jake's character actually had a pretty complex <clears throat> character arc um so uh, spoiler alert for this show that came out uh, 14 years ago on Disney Channel. That's not allowed, dude. You're gonna you're gonna piss someone off. I'm spoiling it. Spoiler alert for American Dragon Jake Long. Okay, so at the end, <laughs> so he this kid can turn into a dragon, right? That's his power. But then there's this group of like ninjas or whatever. I don't remember. It's it was a long time ago. They like hunt dragons, so they hunt they hunt him, right? And he can change back into his human form and to his dragon form and vice versa. But then at one point he finds out this girl he's really into at school is one of like the dragon assassin people, right? But then at the end there's this like solution where he's able to like kind of like peacefully end the conflict, but in doing so he wipes all their memories. And so They've actually built up a pretty good relationship by the end of the series, like, you know, to the point that we're they're friends, maybe a little more than friends. But then at the end of the series, it's like she never met him, and it's like I felt like that was a very mature character arc, which was like something that's very cool to give to like an Asian lead, I guess. That's. That was my. That actually it. had me shocked. I I think he revealed this ending last time, but I just didn't remember. And this time around, you know, that kind of hit me. Yeah. Um, but. Ooh, I I thought of another example yes. of whitewashing that I don't know if it's, it's exactly whitewashing. Um, but did you ever watch Samurai Jack? I actually didn't. I thought the animation style uh, made me uncomfortable. 
Okay, Samurai Jack, amazing show. Actually, I I, I guess I misspoke when I said it was whitewashing. Um, so Samurai Jack, he's like pretty obviously supposed to be Japanese, like he's a samurai. Um, but he's voiced by Phil Lamar, who's a black dude. And I thought that I always thought that was interesting. Interesting. I like. I, I think it works very well, and Phil Lamar did a great job, but. It did seem like a very interesting choice to me. That is an interesting choice. But I mean, there are also voice actors. Yeah, so... I think voice acting is a bit different from... Like, it's it's still, like, you know, not technically... It's still kind of, like, whitewashing, but, like, not really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I would, I would say it's kind of different. But well, I think the issue... I think in specifically in like film, whitewashing is a pretty big issue, and I think that's because it's driven by a lot of people like in a board, like basically in a boardroom or like some casting directors or directors that have to make like pretty big decisions in regards to like million dollar projects. Mm-hmm. But I think as of late, we've been having a pretty like Asian Americans in general or Asian people in general have been having a pretty good. Um, rise i guess in music okay um i'm thinking like you mentioned bts bts is you know korean um and i think they're they isn't their new album then they drop it with a with halsey yeah no they've been doing collabs left and right like um yeah i I was just listening to a song they did with steve aoki who he's also uh he's japanese or i think he's half japanese um yeah he's like a he's like a fairly big edm uh, artist i thought he was huge dude i mean yeah he's pretty big but or but he's not like mainstream <laughs> like um how like dj snake or like um yeah i got gotcha. you uh, no those people are mainstream yeah um and then i also think like uh the higher brothers dude they just played this past friday i didn't go i'm so sad tickets were only 20 dollars. why didn't you go uh i went to a party instead Oh, so you're stupid. I mean... <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. It was you're a hard... Stupid. It was a very hard choice, trust it me. It is probably a hard choice. Um, Otherwise, you would have seen him, you know, if it wasn't a hard choice. Yeah. Um, Rich Brian? Yeah, dude, he's killing it. Yeah, Rich Brian is... I actually haven't heard anything from him in a while. But is he on tour? Is he doing something? Um, so I know that 88 Rising, also eight, like 88 Rising in general, that that's yeah. the like record label or they're, they're <clears throat> more than a record label, I should say. Um, so last year they did in the head in their head in the clouds tour named after uh, Joji song. Um, and I'm so sad I missed it because their first stop in L.A. looked amazing. But this year they're turning that into an entire music festival. The head in clouds, like it's, Ooh, it's called oh, wait, like yeah. the head in I, the clouds yeah, I think music someone festival. shared that with me. That is exciting. I might have shared it with you. Yeah. Um, wow. Also, it's not just a... Is it just a Joji song? Head in the Joji Clouds? Joji song? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Joji song. Oh, okay. Um, Joji, also a great mention. Austra- Japanese-Australian, formerly known as Filthy Frank. Dude, I recently learned that he like started the Harlem Shake. Like that he meme. did, yeah. You I didn't, didn't know realize that. that. Filthy Frank invented the Harlem Shake. Dude, what a legend! Uh, I think he got 
um, some some uh, some news network they they had a poll and they said they would recreate any video, and that video got number one, <laughs> and it essentially invented the Harlem Shake. That's amazing. Um, there's a few other uh, Asian musicians. Uh, they're mostly East Asian, some Southeast Asian. Um, like Rich Brian is is from he's a Pacific he's from Jakarta in 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 Jakarta is <laughs> oh Christ Singapore I think Indonesia I am the worst I am the worst that's like a civil war right there wait it, it is the capital of Indonesia <laughs> it is it is Indonesia I'm so bad wow somebody cut that you've got to cut that <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll re-record it. Uh, there's also what Rich Brian from Indonesia, Jakarta. <laughs> <laughs> Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, uh, there's also uh, uh, Manila Killa played in Chicago recently. He's like a Filipino rapper. I oh, believe. I've never heard of him. Wait, let me let me double check that. Okay, Manila Killa. Okay, yes, he's a Philip. Yes, he was born in the Philippines. Hmm. And then Keith Ape. Have you heard Keith Ape? Yeah, dude, of course. Bro, Keith Ape goes hard. Dude, Ichima? <laughs> Ichima? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, Underwater Squad. <laughs> um, there's a few um, Asian Americans. Uh, there's, there's Killy. I don't know what to think about him, but... Is he's, he that guy uh, from the Vice documentary? No, he's the. Well, oh, was, he, I think he young, might stupid. be in. I think he might be in that documentary, but he's not the problematic one. But Killy is problematic in his own right. Okay. Um, young stupid. Wasn't that his name? Uh, and the stupid stupidest young. With, the stupidest spell with the dollar sign. Yeah, his name is Stupid Young. Oh, okay. And he's Cambodian. Right. He grew up in. Um. In uh, is in he, LA, and he's a crip, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and he's the guy who uh, released a single, and he's just saying the N word. It's just just way out there. But he also he talked about it in an interview, uh, trying to explain himself, and he basically says that like he grew up in that environment where that was just a normal term that was used. I don't know. You can make whatever assumptions or conclusions I mean, you want from that. To his credit, it does seem like uh, the people he runs with, like, are, are okay like, with it. Yeah, and like kind of welcome it too. You know. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like when you put something on a large platform like YouTube, that it, obviously you know we're gonna have a little bit of an issue. Yeah, but... I mean, like obviously there's a difference between like making media for mass consumption and like what what you're saying with your boys. Yeah, you know. Like with the boys, the shit I say with my friends, like, will never leave our group chat. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. Well, what um, was I gonna say? I, I had, I had a point. <coughs> I had somewhere I was going. Fuck, I forgot. Bro, show fresh off the boat. Love that show. Oh yeah, I haven't. Just got I renewed. myself haven't watched it, but I've seen clips, and it's like very relatable. I think it's super relatable. Yeah. Um, 
this uh all essentially all asian cast leading cast leading did, roles did i tell you constance or, wu follows one of my friends on twitter constance wu constance wu follows one of your friends she just had a big controversy wait what uh she kind of went off on twitter because her show got because fresh off the boat got renewed okay i'm, I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I'm not either, but okay. I know this happened, and it was interesting. Oh, wait. I also uh, want to give a like shout-out to uh, Lucy Liu, who's been doing a lot of stuff for many years to like kind of champion Asian-American diversity or representation in media. And she mm-hmm. was recently, uh, at the start of May, the second Asian-American actress ever to get a Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame. Oh, yeah. This just happened. This yeah. happened just a couple days ago. Yeah, and then... Yes, shout out Lucy Liu. Sket it. Yeah, she's a badass. Kill Bill, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, right? Or just the first one, maybe. I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen those movies. I mean, the Kill Bill movies are canonically one movie, so that's okay. Also, Kill Bill draws heavily from Bruce Lee. Yes, that is true. I mean, like, the the whole I wonder what gave that away. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Are are we just shouting out different uh, Asians in media at this point? <laughs> yeah, you know, shout out Steve Aoki. <laughs> shout out Higher Brothers. Shout out Andrew Rich Yang. Brian from Yang Indonesia. Yang. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, though, and, uh, I, I want to talk about Bruce Lee for a little bit, because I feel like... Uh, yes. I feel like... Uh, I don't know. He he earned a level of respect that I don't think any Asian American actor has earned since. Yeah, you know he was squaring off against Chuck Norris, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is that his what name? What about uh, yeah. what about Jackie Chan? Yeah, I I mean Jackie Chan definitely has a lot of respect, but I I think like I think Jackie Chan is seen as a comedian, <clears throat> whereas Bruce Lee is not. Yeah, I mean, he, I, Jackie Chan intentionally is trying to, like, he's action comedy. He is, in my mind, one of the best action comedy directors alive today. Like, like Buster Keaton levels of, like, that, that man is a genius. Um, yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Bruce Lee just, like, I mean, he introduced, like, a lot of martial arts to the West. He introduced, like, like nunchucks to the to the west you know like people didn't know what nunchucks were before him um wait are you serious i'm serious yeah whoa even a lot of um legend a lot of like exercise techniques he like invented like you could partially credit him with the invention of a lot of like uh weight machines um and just like the way he exercised his body because like hmm if you ever look at him, one of his most striking features, like even though he's very small, he has like huge traps. Just like it almost, it almost looks like he's he has like like flying squirrel, like you know, wing type. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> what a description. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he's got like he's got. Yeah, I I'm I'm well aware of how uh, how well built Bruce Lee is. <laughs> and he was like, um, dude, he he was OG like. Yeah, he, he was, was still like, people would like come and challenge his dojo, and he would like just knock their asses out. Do you, uh, speaking of Bruce Lee, though, did you know they're making an Ip Man four? I heard. Is, is it starring Jet Li? 
It's what? no, it stars Donnie Yen as Ip Man as usual. Oh, oh, oh right, right. I forgot he was the one who played that. Oh, um, actually, Don, Donnie Yen. Shout out to Donnie Yen. Yes, but also, Star Wars. Like, yes. Also, though, mm. uh, this fourth Ip Man. This is why I brought it up. Is Ip Man versus Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee was one of his students. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so that's gonna be an exciting watch. Should be a good time. That uh, just shout out to Ip Man, the Ip Man series as a whole. Uh bellissimo. Mm. Okay, I, I remember <laughs> the point I wanted to get to actually. Um, what What do you think of media personalities who like play into Asian stereotypes? Maybe. Are you? Are, who are we talking about? Are we talking about like Kev think Jumba? Like, well, like yeah, Kev Jumba, but think like you know. Ken Jong, Bobby Lee, Jackie Chan, even. Um, so, to my knowledge, a lot of people don't like Ken Jong because he plays into stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I don't watch TV. This is a really like this. I had to do research for this episode. I don't watch a lot of movies or TV. Um, but Ken Jong, uh, the 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 doctor thing, the smart doctor thing, is kind of played out. But he's also an actual doctor. Yeah, I mean he like. All credit like, to him. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. an MD. <laughs> like he went to med school just to be like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm a doctor now. What better idea to do than to you know act in a movie as a doctor?" <laughs> but then suddenly everybody's just like, "Oh, he's buying into stereotypes." Mm-hmm. But he's an actual doctor. I don't know. Is he? No. Is yeah, he, he buying into stereotypes? Oh, oh. I, I thought you meant if he was a doctor. I'm like, yes, he's a hundred percent doctor. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think Ken Jeong plays that. But my my personal take is like. I don't think those people are to blame. Yeah. Right? It's like, um, this is like a similar discussion I have when I talk to like my white friends who maybe are a little more sheltered. When I talk to them about white privilege. You there? Hello? (laughs) All right, James is like, oh, shit. (laughs) Hello? You just like disconnected. Oh boy, they get to hear two sides of this audio. Or maybe I disconnected. No, I'm pretty sure he did. Oh my goodness. Your boy is suffering. Okay, well, uh, this is awkward. This is what I get for not connecting to Ethernet. Bruh. No, I mean, it's probably Stevie's fault. Let's be honest. I live in a nice apartment in college. I don't know. What (coughs) happened? He's messaging me right now. What happened? What do you think happened? You disconnected. You left me on red. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> what happened? What is going on? Did did my internet just cut out? Oh my goodness, now we're going to have to cut all this audio out and it's going to be a pain in the ass. Wow. Okay, it's definitely not my internet. Disconnected? Yeah! Yeah, bruh! Bruh! LOL. Stevie's done. He's gone. He is, he is gone. Ah, uh, there we go, he's left. He's joining back. You alive? Uh, brother. Wow. Oh, no way. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to No Coast Oriental. Brought okay. to you by our sponsors. Wow, that was uh, well, if that wasn't a good representation of how I'm feeling right now, then I don't know what is. <laughs> You're gonna have some audio to cut out. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um. um what were we talking about? Oh, uh, uh, people playing into stere- the stereotypes. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So, uh, what I was saying was that, like, um. This is similar to conversations I have with, like, some of my white friends when I try to, like, educate them about white privilege. So it's, like, I'm not saying, like, if I'm talking to one of my white friends, it's, like, I'm not saying you're a bad person or you're doing anything wrong just because you're white. Like, but you have to recognize that, like, you have certain advantages that other people don't. Yeah. And I think it's, like, similar in this case where it's, like, you know, you can't blame for example, Ken Jeong for playing into stereotypes that society has, like, put there. Yeah. And another comparison you can make is that, like, you know, like, objectifying women is bad, but you could also, like, women also use their bodies to, like, empower themselves as well. And it's like, sure, some people might seem that as harmful, but it's like, they're not to blame individually for that, right? Yeah. That's my take. Um, you think you think Bobby Lee buys into stereotypes? Well, I mean, bro. <laughs> okay, well, like when I think of like a lot of Asian comedians, it's like all these like very uh, wacky slapstick characters, you know? Like, yeah, I am a scientist. Like, I don't know what you're referencing. What the the North Korean scientist get Mad TV? No, dude, I didn't uh, have Mad TV. You watched I didn't, Mad I didn't TV? Either, YouTube. Are you 9,000 years old? YouTube, dude. YouTube? Yeah, dude, I'm busy watching cooking videos. <laughs> God damn bon Appetit just released like nine hours of content making pizza. I know. I watched too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a commute where you can watch videos the whole dude, time. Dude, I, I wonder if I study up on food science if I could get them to hire me as a food scientist. You know, really I wanted to that. go to culinary for a long time, and I don't know if that's my thing, but you want to be a food scientist? I thought you were going to say you wanted to be a cook, but... <laughs> no, dude, I think food science is, is like, so fascinating. Like, uh, like you, you, you know about tempering chocolate, right? If you've ever watched any of Claire's videos? I watched plenty of tempering chocolate videos. Okay. Yes. So... You you don't have to, you you have to like gr- yes there like, are exact temperatures to, like, and there's a soft put, crack and a hard crack you have to oh put no in, like, that's the candy seed chocolate friendly. right the seed chocolate yeah so you melt most of the chocolate but then you keep some of the chocolate solid and then chop it into small pieces and that's called the seed chocolate and it's actually a crystallization process which is basically what I'm doing in my job right now yeah have you um you you could be a, a candy maker. You could work at a candy shop. I could be uh, a confectioner. A confection, a confectioner, confectioner sugar. I could be yes, a chocolatier. A Dude, baking, baking is a science. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about uh, we were talking about people buying into stereotypes and whether or not Bobby Lee is a uh, is buying into stereotypes. <laughs> also, we were talking about <laughs> a skit on Mad TV. That's why I started talking about cooking videos oh okay yeah (laughs) yeah um but yeah so i i think one of the you know 
one of the routes where like Asian American comedians and specifically don't face a lot of opposition is like these like wacky slapstick characters, you know. I mean like ja- like Jackie Chan is a caricature of himself. That's true. Chris Hemsworth is a Thor is a, a caricature of Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Tony Stark. <laughs> I don't know where there's this no is argument. Going. There's no there's no like actual claim being made here. I'm just naming other people. I think you're just listing off the Avengers at this point. Yeah, I'm just listing other people. I think behave like they're Nicolas Cage is him in every single movie. Have you seen Nicolas Cage in uh Into the Spider Verse? <laughs> no, I actually haven't. I haven't seen it uh Into the Spider Verse. Dude, it's no actually an no. amazing movie. Uh, we were talking about spoilers. Uh, don't tell me anything. I won't spoil about anything, it. but Nicolas Cage is in that movie. I know he's, he's in amazing. that movie. I know he's in this movie, and I don't want to. I don't want to know any more information about this. <laughs> this oh, I, I, I thought of another like whitewashing maybe example. Are you talking about Detective Pikachu? No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is fine. Um, approved. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard good things about it. Um, it's great. No, th- Saw it last night. Want to like, hear all about maybe it? Maybe my single most favorite movie of all time. Okay, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, and. Well, I mean, like they have. Um, I think Lucy Liu actually plays Viper in that movie, and I know Jackie Chan plays. Um, I think either Monkey or Mantis. He's a monkey. Okay. <coughs> um, and then Jack Black plays Kung Fu Panda. You, you mean Poe? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the sentence would be funnier. <laughs> this is, ah, yes, after that, all, that a classic opening podcast. where the dad goose is saying, Kung Fu Panda, wake up. You'll be late for work. Don't they, don't they, isn't the ending literally, like, doesn't he call himself a kung fu panda? No, the ending is he says skadoosh. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> you, uh, so I, I got my first look at the Buzzsprout page, and you labeled us as comedy. <laughs> And also society and culture. <laughs> those are the only two is, that fit. This is only one of those things. <laughs> it's society and culture. Um. Okay, yeah, Jackie Chan plays Monkey. Lucy Liu does play Viper. Uh, Jackie Chan does not play Mantis. Seth Rogen plays Mantis. <laughs> I mean, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman is Shifu. Yeah, also the names... Master Shifu? Shifu, like, means master in Chinese. Yeah, but, like, what do you call a... Do you call a chai tea latte a chai latte? What? Yeah. Chai means tea, dude. You you want a tea tea latte? I don't think I've ever said chai tea latte. I've just said chai latte. You've you've said chai latte? Yeah. Wow, advanced. (laughs) I am not as advanced. I just learned this maybe two weeks ago. Also, chai chai teas are like also very cool because they're they're blends, right? So they think yeah. be pretty intricate. Um, they're spice. Anyways, also Master Ugwe Ugwe means turtle in uh in Chinese. 
What's the point we're trying to make here? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, Jack oh, Black. Oh, Jack, Jack Black is Poe. That's the yes, point I was trying Jack to make. Jack Black is Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and we've, we've learned this very clearly. It's been made to us. Okay. Um, but okay. I guess the argument you can make is that like this movie is also whitewashing slash maybe white savory because... Uh, you have very prominent Asian actors like Lucy Liu and Jackie Chan, but then the main characters are like Dustin Hoffman and Jack Black. Jackie Chan, uh, to my knowledge, voices Kung Fu Panda in the Chinese ones. What? No way. I think he does. Who else would? I actually first watched this movie in the Chinese dub. And then Jack- Jackie Chan... um. Jackie Chan sings the Chinese version of I'll Make a Man Out of You in Mulan. That's actually amazing. You didn't know that? Jackie Chan's like a pop star. Okay. <laughs> like, he's released albums. So, apparently Jackie Chan does indeed voice... Okay, spoilers alert for Kung Fu Panda 3. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan... <laughs> It's a spoiler no one cares about. (laughs) Um, Okay, Jackie Chan does voice Poe's father in the Chinese dub of Kung Fu Panda 3. Wait, (laughs) what about in the Chinese dub? Who voices voices (laughs) Poe? I don't know. What? Okay, I, I'm on I'm on Amazon right now. Kung Fu Panda Mandarin Chinese Edition. Let's see if they have the info. <laughs> I'm crying. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, I'm so confused. If they they were like, oh, let's get Jackie Chan, but he can be the dad of our main character, but not the actual main character. Who's? Well, I guess Jackie Chan doesn't do the like the young like teenager. Young adult voice. I don't think he would do a very good job doing that dub. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Um, James Hong plays Mr. Ping, uh, who I believe is Poe's uh, adopted father, and he adopted the father. <laughs> and Randall uh, Kim plays um, uh, who is it? Ugwe. Isn't Randall Kim? Also, uh... He was the key maker in The Matrix Reloaded. (laughs) He was was also Gohan in Dragon Ball Evolution. He was Asia at 19 in the Hawaiians. Wait, what? He was the whole continent of Asia. (laughs) What does that sentence even mean? (laughs) On his Wikipedia, he was Asia at 19. A-S-I-A space A-T space 1-9. In okay. the Hawaiians. This podcast has turned into the Kung Fu Panda Appreciation Podcast. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm ringing it back in. So, um, did you have anything on your end you wanted to talk about? In regards to what? <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, representation in media. No, we were talking about buying into stereotypes. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Kev Jumba was in the happy medium uh, category. I I brought him up earlier, Kevin Wu, because he was 
he bought into stereotypes only insofar as to relate closely with an Asian base that he had. Right? Yeah, and I would argue he was very much satirizing those stereotypes. Yeah, I don't think he was buying into them by any means. Yeah, like, um, you know, him telling a story about, like, him having his ra- a rash and his dad's, like, rub some cantaloupe on it or some shit is, like, that's just, like, you know, funny anecdotes from, like, having Asian parents. When I was growing up, I had an aloe plant. And if we ever got cuts, I would just break up. See that that's that's fine. Kev Kev's Kev's dad bought him Vagisil to put on his rash. <laughs> I thought you said he bought a cantaloupe. No, th- there were there were two remedies because the cantaloupe oh, didn't work. Obviously, there is only two remedies after all: cantaloupe and Vagisil. <laughs> um. Yes. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> So, yeah, but, you know, I I think what Kev Jumbo was doing was fine because he was, you know, very much, like, satirizing it, right? Yes. Um, But I, I do think it's it's tough because I feel like while people like Kev Jumbo and also, like, Ryan Higa, they've paved a path, it's sort of become, like, that's really the only option for a lot of people now. That kind of, yeah. like, high-energy character, you know? Yeah. Because, um, I think when I was a kid, uh, I think I, I think when I was a kid, I associated being Asian American. This is weird. Because I would watch these YouTube channels, and all of them had ADHD, so I just thought most Asian Americans just might have it more than other people. I, they, like, because, like, Ryan Higa and Kevin Wu, they were, like, open about having ADHD. <laughs> so then I thought everyone had it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I there's not much else I, I have to add to that. Um but I think um I think they did pave a path that has made me a lot into the person I am. Mm-hmm. Cause um I don't know, I grew up and like I remember like stumbling onto YouTube and I was like I was like addicted to YouTube before like I was I think I was in like middle school <laughs> or like even earlier than that dude whenever dude, YouTube you was like, first like, made like video replies and like five yeah, stars yeah and like that the shit. yellow subscribe button <clears throat> yeah dude and then Google bought it and now we've got a <clears throat> James Charles didn't some drama happen with him recently? I don't, yeah, that's I don't why I brought know. him up. Okay. But I have no clue what's going on. I don't Me follow neither. YouTube drama I just anymore. Saw, I just saw a PewDiePie video, and I was like... I barely even know what's going on with like the pro-Jared thing. I, did no, I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving so, on. Like, I, think, I think that they did shape a lot of like me growing up as a person, because like, I grew up with YouTube, and I was watching their videos. And <clears throat> like I had aspirations where I was like, oh, I should start a vlog or like I should start making skits. And this was like when I was in middle school. So I would get like the camera and like do some weird stuff and then just like not upload anything because I was like 11. And even nowadays, I think the way that I speak and the cadence that I speak at and the energy that I bring comes a lot from them. So I don't know, maybe my whole life I'm buying into a stereotype and I just never even knew 
you know. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I think I think they did a I think they did a pretty big job of like, hey, these people are cool. They're interesting to me. I want to be like them. And now me, a lot of other Asians and like a good portion of like Asian YouTube are all just clones of this one set of this one era in the internet. Yeah. Going back to like what we're talking about, I think it is kind of stifling because like if you look at some of Jap- or Jackie Chan's like older movies when he was still like acting in Hong Kong, like he has such range as an actor. I think the only time I've seen that in like an American film is uh, the uh, newer Karate Kid remake. He was the only good part of that movie and the emotional core of that movie. Um, what are you talking about? He was the only good part of that movie. That whole movie is good. The the Karate Kid with Jaden Smith. Yeah, dude. You've that movie never is seen. Great. You've never seen the original one. Have you? I think I have. Yes, I have. Uh, I I doubt that. It's not as good as those, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm. That doesn't mean that I can't enjoy a Jaden Smith, Jackie Chan movie. Wait, wait. Okay. Uh, um, going back to the whole Asian, the future's Asian thing. Yes. Have you seen the Netflix anime Neo Sokyo? I have not, though I have heard of it. Did you know it's uh? Produced, written, directed, and voice acted by Jaden Smith. So, a new music video by Anderson <laughs> Pack featuring. You just um, gonna you just gonna breeze through that? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't know what to say to it, dude. <laughs> it's sire. It's pretty good. I I don't doubt that it's good. To be honest, I think Jaden Smith is actually a competent, creative mind. Now that he's gone through like this whole angsty phase. I'm not even joking. I like Jaden Smith. Okay. I respect his work. He's better. He's a better rapper than his dad. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just shut down this podcast. You guys just couldn't see it, but James just raised his eyebrows pretty damn high when he said that. R.I.P. No Coast Oriental. Death by Twitter. People are going to lose their minds. Nah, Will, um, Will Smith's a YouTuber. He'll, he's cool. In regards to the, the future Asian thing as well, there's a new... Um, there is a new music video I just watched by Anderson Pack. Do you know Anderson Pack? Yeah, of course. He's a half Korean black from um, where now? From I Oxnard, Oxnard, California, L.A. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> I, um, I think that's right. And he confirm. just released a new song with um, another another uh, with a producer, jazz musician. I forget his name, but the music video is directed, and it's, like, animated, it's directed by the same person who directed Cowboy Bebop. Wait, no, like, like the original anime, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, the same guy. No fucking who, way. Yeah, look it up. Watch Holy your shit. language. This is not that astounding. <laughs> um, you're right, yeah. O- um, o- Oxnard is, like, um, a bit west of L.A. by, like, Ventura. Okay. And also, when I when I started typing in Oxnard... The autofill suggestion was Oxnard Anderson Pack. Yeah, because he has an album called Oxnard. Oh, okay. Available on all major streaming platforms. Additionally, a new album called Ventura also available. No, stop on... it. He's not sponsoring us. We we gotta this we gotta save that. Anderson for... Pack is sponsored by us. What? What? We have no money though. <laughs> but we have a platform. Arguably, we have negative money. 
Actually, Listen, I'm just trying to get on his good side because I'm going to see him this Friday. Oh, okay. You know, what if he hears this? He's like, yes, Lord. <laughs> um. Yes. Are you familiar with, do you watch Anna Akana? No, do I watch who? Anna Akana. No, I don't think so. Okay, I think you should. Um, She, so she's a YouTuber, uh, an actress, and does other stuff. Um, And she's of, like, mixed Asian descent. Um, And I think she makes a lot of really good videos, you know, talking about mental health and, you know, stuff, just silly stuff. But also, some stuff that, like, a lot of stuff about, like, uh, Asian American, like, issues, too, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. What is her name? Anna, A-N-N-A, Akana, A-K-A-N-A. Oh, I was writing Anna Akonda. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was, like, a screen name. Yeah, so, like, one, one of, like, the big points in her life was, like, her little sister committed suicide, uh, like, maybe six or seven years ago, I think. And so a lot of her um, content has been, like, has focused around that in one way or another. Um, at... Buffer Festival last year, she produced a, or she premiered a uh, short film, stop motion, called Dolore, which, like, kind of graphically represented that. I thought that was really cool. Her, some people in her family have also had a history with drug abuse. I think she herself struggles from, like, mild alcoholism. And so it's, like, I was just trying to think of, like, people in media who are, like, not fit into the mold of what we've talked about already as far as like Jackie Chan or Ken Jong goes and like I think she's actually a very good example of that. Hmm. I must now I must check her out. No, yeah, she has really good view, videos. She yeah. uploaded a video about her cosmetic surgery recently. Um Yeah. But is she she is not the same person as Anna Akana. What? No, it is Anna Akana. Oh, so she has a music video out. Yeah, that's that's the one I was talking about. The, oh, the music video is about her, like about alcoholism, oh, I guess. Okay, gotcha. I maybe you said that, and I'm just stupid. But <laughs> okay, bad. Yeah. So yeah, actually, you know, she was one of the people, maybe that uh, I one of the only people I could think of breaking out of that mold. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think we have a lot of people who do break out of like, um. I guess your typical stereotypes. I think, um, dude, I think Eddie Huang's a great example of that. Because mm-hmm. I think I think it's because like he grew up in America and he grew up in a, I feel like a different um, setting than your typical or like the Asian American you would see in media. I think he grew up in a different scenario than that. Mm-hmm. So I think he moved from I think the premise of the show, which is also like based on his life, is that he moved from Chinatown in D.C. out to uh, Florida. Wait, did and you know so, he's an attorney? Yeah, he went to law school, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the <clears throat> like he does. He 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 talks about it only as like a joke, because if he brings it up too much, he I think he thinks it'll. That'll be the thing, oh, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but I think the show, and I think a lot of the content he makes, because for a while he was working with Vice and Munchies. He had his own show called Fresh Off the Boat. I think they changed the name of it because of the show coming out. Yeah. Um, he has a book called Fresh Off the Boat. You know, he can only come up with one name, but that's okay. 
Uh, and I think he does a good job of doing two things. And one is, like, exposing more of, like, the Asian-American experience to, like, the average person. But also kind of exploring, like, the interaction between, like, Asian-Americans and, like, American culture and African-American culture and hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, a lot of other... Uh, like, a lot of times, you know, sensitive issues or race issues don't even, like, really come up in the discussion um for certain asian american actors or um people who are asian american that are in media uh this article from something something <laughs> from splinter talks specifically about black culture um in regards to fresh off the boat and says fresh off the boat uses black culture to talk more candidly about asian culture which is i think the most effective thing that he's personally done is that, like, it It doesn't... It, yes, Eddie is, like, kind of... Like, it can be taken that Eddie might be appropriating culture, but this article kind of makes the case that he's appreciating it and also relating to it because he himself is in a similar kind of... He's He has a similar life story, in a sense, mm-hmm. um, without being, like, too offensive about it. Yeah, and, like, uh, I think we've said this before, but, like, I think cultural appro- cultural appropriation as a concept and the term is itself yeah. neutral in connotation. Um, but we can kind of dive into that in another episode. Yeah, I think we've brought that up every episode now. Have we? Okay, well, so this is only the third solid. one, so it's that's low okay. bar. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, that's going to be uh, the, the meme for us. Like, what? what if we're totally wrong and the internet is just like, why do these guys keep saying this? <laughs> no, we can't be wrong because Lindsay Ellis said so. And Lindsay Ellis is an amazing video essayist who I trust everything oh my goodness. she says. <laughs> that's a that's a that's an interesting bar for Okay, me. she spent like four minutes of like a thirty minute video on Pocahontas on this. So. That's a mood. That's a mood. Anyway, okay. Um, so what are we talking about? We're talking about Asian communities in media, um, and I think I think the idea of representation is there, but there's also the idea that like, and we've talked about this in previous episodes that like, Asian Americans have a hard time, or are currently having a hard time, or have historically had a hard time finding a community of people and a culture that they like belong to. Mm-hmm. Um, that might not be the case nowadays in certain Chinatowns or like communities where there are a lot of Asian Americans, but here in the Midwest, the bulk of us do have that identity crisis every now and then. And I think we do take to different communities to, um, kind of feel accepted and feel included. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two communities that really do this, and we've talked about this in the episode that will never be released because I lost the audio for uh, we've talked about the EDM kind of scene and then the like hip hop scene. Um, I think the EDM scene has it really big, especially nowadays where like, um, basically any Asian person on Facebook who's in subtle Asian traits thinks that all Asians go to raves and are now starting to go to raves. Uh, I think EDM, that whole scene is a pretty big one, but Stevie, I know you did more 
you're more involved with this. Yeah. You're how, not just researching how it. How <laughs> far do you want to dive into this topic? Uh, that's up to you to decide. But okay. we have, we have, despite technical difficulties, been recording for about an hour and a half now. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we can leave, like, our exploration of different facets of Asian American culture and how they exist in context to like the predominant culture we can maybe leave that for yeah. another episode um that's yeah that works where i want to end this off is the same way i ended i wanted to end it off the first time we did this which is to pose the question why is representation important are you asking me again yeah go ahead <laughs> go for it uh so i mean i already said this dude it's the same question from earlier right well no it's not it's kind of not the same question but like yeah, it's just like growing up, you know, if you don't see the same, if you don't see people who look like you all the time, then you're going to feel like you're weird. Mm-hmm. And that's not a feeling that you want to have growing up. And that's a feeling that carries on even after you've gone gotten past that observation that you've made. Um, Like, <clears throat> you might have Jake Long. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have Kylad. <laughs> There are, there are, there were no other things for us growing up where we could be like, "Hey, that's cool." Like maybe Chinese Jackie Chan New Adventures. Year, elementary school. Do you ever remember celebrating Chinese New Year? Like in school? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. So in my elementary school, we had like an activity once a year, like for a little, like depending on who you had, like it was like certainly more involved. Like they, they, like we celebrated Chinese New Year, kinda. And that was really the own ex- only exposure I had to that outside of, like, my family, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to see media on TV or anything like that or listen to music that you relate to, it makes it so that you have that opportunity to be like, hey, you know, I'm not – I do not <laughs> – there are other Asians. That's yeah. basically, like, it, right? Like – like I, I, I think it's because yes. if, if you like only see one image of someone that looks like you portrayed, you start to internalize that. Like I think I yeah. brought this up before, where it's like the first time I met an Asian guy, his name was Gun Wu. Uh, the first time yeah. I met, met an Asian guy who had like muscles, I was like so taken aback because I did not know that was possible. That's how far you've never watched the Olympics, huh? You've never watched the Olympics. I mean, yeah, like, but like. <laughs> It wasn't like, you know, like... No, it is it is mind-blowing, dude. I, like, even nowadays, too, sometimes I go to the gym. If I see an Asian person there who's, like, ripped, I'm impressed. Yeah. Because, like, I still think to myself that, like, that might not be... Like, that's that's a that's very different from, you know, the Asians that I see, which is very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, Stevie, you have nothing. No muscles. <laughs> Don't need to remind me. <laughs> I've atrophied so much in the last two years. Why? I just stopped Foolish. working out. Foolish. Anywho. Um, um, but representation is super important. Like, if you want an like, if you want the whole melting pot, salad bowl, uh, whatever the term is, kind of situation, like that's what that's what America is, or at least what we're taught it is, right? But if you don't see that, then is it real? 
right? Like that's not a legitimate thing until like you can see that in media and until you can see that in your day to day life. Yeah, I mean, I think for Asian Americans is especially important because uh, at least for me when I was growing up, I remember like the way I thought about Asian Americans was in this like meme way, um, kind of like a. It's kind of like a maybe it stems from like an inferiority complex um, where it's like I remember this specific meme where it's like a picture of like a bunch of guys with like nunchucks and stuff. And like it's the like classic like like if you're too young, there used to be this meme format called demotivational posters where it's just like black yes, border with white these. text. These um, were not funny. <laughs> they were funny at the time. <laughs> but anyway, this one just said like like. Um, face it, you'll never be as cool as these guys. And it's like, there was this, like, this meme, before memes were a thing, there was this meme of, like, Asians being this, like, super cool thing. But I feel like it was only within Asian communities that that was circulated. And there was always an underlying, like, insecurity in that. I think the fact that, like, we needed to, like, assert that we were Asian and special because of that arise from that. Like, but I, I see that even to this day. And, like, not so much in like California when I was going to school there, but definitely in Chicago. Like, I remember I was at a trivia night a couple months ago with some coworkers. One of the sorry, one of the teams there they call themselves the forty year old Asians. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I, I personally, I, I think that kind of thinking is is very harmful because it if you stick in that mindset, you never get beyond. Like, that mindset arises from this idea that, like, we, like, we can't be as good as X, Y, or Z, right? And yeah. I think representation is important, especially at a young age, because it can show you that, yeah, I can be this or that or whatever. I can be Andrew Yang, Mr. VC turned presidential candidate, you know? Um, wow. Are we going to plug Andrew Yang? I already said Yang Yang once. Did you really? Yeah. Maybe you missed it. I probably did. I think I was too busy laughing at the Kung Fu Panda lines. Um, yeah, Yang Yang. There are no mistakes. What? It's the Uwe line. Oh, it's been a while. Yo, he's talking um, about you, like something about the universe deciding everything. Like, there are no mistakes in the universe. He's like, take this peach. You plant it, you may want an apple or an orange, but you will get a peach. And then she was like, But a peach cannot defeat Tai Long. And the Ugo is like, Maybe it can if you are willing to teach it and nurture it. Stevie, <laughs> this, this episode was about to end, and now we have to tie it back again. <laughs> so. In conclusion, representation is especially important because it'll make you grow up to be a better person. That's that's the conclusion we've drawn today. And uh, there's really not much else to be said. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on No Coast Oriental. Um, I'm incoherent. Stevie Dude, is I sick. I think I'm, I'm not going to be able to talk tomorrow. My throat hurts so much. Yeah, you just talked for like an hour and 45 minutes and you were like laughing at like really stupid jokes. I'm hungry. As a matter of fact. I don't know if you could hear my stomach gurgles, but I'm hungry. <laughs> Did you mute your microphone for those too? No, I can't really anticipate those. <laughs> 
I've been fasting. For how long? Uh, I'm doing an 18-hour, 6-hour. Oh, so inter- uh, IMF? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say for, like, Ramadan. Because it is, is it Ramadan? It is. I, wait, oh. let me... Is it Ramadan? Yes, that's I'm how you search a computer. Ramadan begins Sunday, May 5th and ends June 4th. <coughs> so, yes, it is. Oh, happy Ramadan. Um, Shout out. Uh, it's important because actually... Islam. Do we sign off yet? Not well. I was I was signing off in a very okay. meme. Well, when I when we listen back to it, in case that wasn't good enough. Thanks for watching. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for watching. <laughs>